Hello, please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. Please press start for Scott Pilgrim versus Chun-Li. week, Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 in order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. And I am player one, Thomas Mariani. And I am your little brother that you don't actually let play the games, Adam Thomas. Yeah, I'll let you play. This quarter means I saved it. Okay. <laughs> or this controller's not plugged in, but it's still working. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, both very archaic references for anyone under the age of 25. Um, but yes, we are here to talk about uh, video game-inspired movies um, in honor of the week we're releasing this Detective Pikachu is coming out. And we got that new Sonic trailer. Oh, God. <laughs> the fucking Sonic trailer. <laughs> oh, God. I love how they're instantly backtracking already, too. Right, at the time that we're posting this is the day that they announced, like, oh, we're going to redesign Sonic. Yeah. Because he immediately looks uh, garish and awful. Why not just make him look how he's always looked? I don't understand the problem here. It's that weird thing where they want to make him look realistic, but whoever asked for that? Right, a blue hedgehog with sneakers. Let's make him look real. Yeah, but then again, whoever asked for a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yeah, no, I'm good. But yeah, so we're doing video game-inspired movies on this, and... We emphasize inspired because by the nature of our show, where we're covering a good film, uh, which was Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and a bad film, uh, Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, most video game adaptations, strictly, uh, aren't very good, or even mediocre, or anywhere near good. (laughs) I honestly was racking my brain trying to think of really good ones that are strictly based on video games, and the best I can come up with is the first Silent Hill. Which isn't really that good of a movie anyway. It's serviceable to the source material, but that's it. <laughs> it's like, there's not a single other one I can think of where I'm like, oh yeah. So for the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, obviously that's based on the graphic novel series. But we decided to include that because it does have a lot of video game aesthetics. And the thing is, there was a point in history where a lot of critics like really bashed on a movie for having video game aesthetics, but I think now with enough time and like literally at least a generation or two being accustomed to video game aesthetics, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. No, no, I don't think so either. In fact, I mean, something like Overlord that literally takes its story, well, not literally, but pretty much takes its story from the Wolfenstein games. As much as it legally can. And as much as it legally can. I mean, it's really pushing it and it worked. It was good. Um, but do you think it's possible to make a good video game adaptation even, Adam? I think it's possible. I just don't know why you would even do it. Because it's never going to be as personal as an experience as playing the video game itself. I, I just don't think it's necessary. Like, you know, people are still talking about how they want a God of War movie. And it's like, why? You've already got the game. To me, that's it's cinematic in this in scope as you're gonna get. It's more an issue of, like, when you try and do this based off story-based video games, especially a lot of the more narrative ones of recent, like, there was a while where Sam Raimi's production company was trying to do The Last of Us as a movie, and that makes no sense. It's a movie already. You're playing a movie. Exactly. There's no point to that, or even, like, the uh, Uncharted they keep threatening to make every couple years. (sighs) Where was Mark Wahlberg for the longest? Now it's Tom Holland, apparently. I don't know, you know, whatever the fuck's happening with that. But I think if you were to do something that's more based on, especially like some of the older video games, where it's something that you can project a new story onto, I think could work. Like, I know they're trying to do, like, a Mario Brothers movie, and that would be that would be a cute animated movie. I could see that, yeah, but and the thing is, but then for every maybe good animated movie you get, you, get, you got, like, was it, Ratchet and Clank. True. That can't forget, for some reason, came out, <laughs> or then... Even the live-action ones, like, who even remembers that there was an Assassin's Creed movie? Very few. Uh, and are you a, a gamer yourself, Adam? Not so much anymore as I used to be. I mean, I still kind of keep up to date with the newer releases that I'm interested in, like, you know, Red Dead 
too, and I played Spider-Man a lot and things like that, but I just don't have the time anymore. What about you? I have always been a very casual gamer, and I'm one of those guys where I have like a PS4, which I, one, mostly used to play Blu-rays or like Netflix and other shit like Uh that. Um, But also at the same time, I do at least try and get one game a year, and I usually love like the sandbox games where you can just play it for a while or that has like a huge story. Like right now, speaking of Red Dead, I'm playing Red Dead 2 at the moment. It's very good. Um, I'm really enjoying that. And I also played Spider-Man was my game from last year, which was dope. I loved it. Yeah, Spider-Man was awesome. Yeah, Spider-Man was great. Yes. Uh, But we're not talking about actual games here. We're talking about our two movies. And we're going to start actually with our bad feature, because spoilers, there's not a lot to talk about. (laughs) Oh, I don't Oh, there's there's some stuff to talk about with this there's, one. There's buddy. some stuff, but I mean, we'll, we'll get into that right now with uh, Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li. In life, there is beauty, and there is terror. One must not overwhelm the other. Once you have found your power, you must decide what you fight for. So yeah, Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li, obviously based on the popular video game series Mortal Kombat, um, and (laughs) um, came out uh, February 27th, 2009, and this is not the first Street Fighter adaptation, obviously, because there was a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie from 92, which was also not very beloved by any stretch. Oh no, that was atrocious. I saw that in the show as a nine-year-old, and I'm like, oh no, (laughs) like... At nine years old, I knew there was problems. Guys, there's so much bad story structure, and I have no <laughs> idea what Jean-Claude Van Damme's doing. He, wait, he's an American colonel? This doesn't make any sense! <laughs> it does at least have Raul Julia, though, who's pretty fun in that terrible movie. I know, and what a shame it's his last movie. Yeah, because his kids really like Street Fighter, and he got to say, Of course, and game over! Uh-huh. I wish everyone was on his level, and that would have probably been a more fun Street Fighter movie. But is that a worse Street Fighter movie than this one? Is the question, Adam. No. What <laughs> <laughs> are you saying that the characters actually looking like the characters makes it slightly better? Y- yes. <laughs> yes. Problem it's... solved. End of discussion. <laughs> right. Oh man, I mean, it's not even the, it's not even the characters looking like the characters. Really, it's just that what the fuck were they trying to do with this movie? It feels like they're trying to make a more realistic movie while still doing some of the over-the-top Street Fighter stuff. It feels of two minds the whole time, and none, neither of them meld together well. At all. Or as I like to refer to this, accent the movie. Because the accents in this movie, especially Neil McDonough's... A little bit of history here. I love the Street Fighter games. I still will play them up until even the last one. I, uh, that's probably my bread and butter is fighting games. So when this came out, I remember, A, thinking, Kristen Kriuk? Really? Uh, okay, well, it's not in any way. It looks like a Chun-Li. Oh, a Taboo from Black Eyed Peas. Okay. <laughs> Michael Clark Duncan is, is Belrog. Well, okay, I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. Wait a second. What? Is, Chris Klein? No, no. So I was kind of optimistic thinking that, you know, like their original plan was that this did well. Maybe we'd get, like, a Street Fighter series of movies with different characters and everything. The only problem is that uh, this was not done well. It's so cheap looking. <laughs> you know, I want to say with Chris Klein, um, as much as he is um, a bad Awful. actor, <laughs> um, he at least was the most memorable thing about this movie to me because he has such dedication to a very terrible character and has so many stupid, funny, bad moments to me in this movie, particularly Nash Out. When he's on the internet, oh, <laughs> shit like that. As opposed to honestly, because I hadn't seen this before, I'm familiar with the Street Fighter games. Um, I mean, I've played at least a couple, especially like sort of the arcade versions that have been out mm-hmm. there. And I've seen that original Street Fighter movie, and I hadn't seen this before, though I'd heard of its reputation being quite terrible. And it is terrible, but mostly in just all the usual ways a bad video game movie can be. 
which I'm glad we kind of ended up getting it for the bad video game adaptation because it does it checks off all of those marks of like bad video game adaptation. You got characters don't look anything like each other, fundamental misunderstanding of the story, weird random elements that don't make any sense and don't collide well into a story. So there's some others, obviously. Mm-hmm. What are some others, Adam? Piss poor acting. Check. Uh, bad CGI and double check. Choreography. <laughs> yeah, characters that that not only don't look like themselves literally just aren't the same character just in name only and characters that can't even pronounce the terms from the source material dude it's called shadow lou it's not shadow law never has been it's low budget it's rushed out it's literally just trying to capitalize on its source material success with no appreciation for the source material at all movies based on fighting games never have worked there's not enough story there to make a movie based on a fighting game. One that I commonly hear people say with some admiration is Mortal Kombat, which I would say is a more entertaining movie than this one. I would but never classify it as a good one, no. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but can we just discuss... Because let's, there is no plot synopsis to this, really. Chun-Li is a little girl. Her father gets kidnapped by the bad guy. She goes on a revenge quest. Done. That's your plot. Yeah. The bad guy cuts his baby from his pregnant wife in a cave to get really good at real estate? It's not <laughs> even cuts. You're assuming that, like, oh, like some kind of knife is involved. Oh, he, like, karate chops into <laughs> the pregnant wife's stomach. Yeah, like, it, this, it feels more at home in, like, a Mortal Kombat movie mm-hmm. than it does. It is really weird, especially considering... Like, this is all some flashback that's revealed about, like, this other character who's a complete cipher, his daughter character, who is just kind of lugged around as a MacGuffin throughout the climax of the movie. And the narration makes no sense, as you were mentioning, where it's just, like, harnessed the goodness or something like that? It's very vague and very stupid. All of his good went into her, so he would have no, like, conscience anymore. So that way he could excel at real estate deals? <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? I mean, what's he going to do next? Run for president? Oh, a hot take. Oh. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I feel so bad for Neil McDonough because I actually like that Me dude. Too. He just gets all... He's one of those classic guys who's like, man, you're actually a pretty good actor getting the worst calls from your agent about like, hey, Chun-Li. Hey, the worst <laughs> right. villain in Arrow. And that's saying a lot. Hey, any of these other things. Hey, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, you're right, he is? It's just... Kristen Krulik's voiceover in this. You thought I had Iron Man 3's voiceover? She has literally zero emotion in her voice. There's no inflection to her tone when she's trying to exposit a plot. To the point <laughs> where I thought she was dubbed. I looked at interviews and it's like, no, that's her voice. It's just so divorced from her body. So she's in Thailand trying to find... I think his name was Gen the guy who played Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat. And uh, why is she living on the streets? Like, isn't she rich? I am really not sure at all. Because <laughs> I was honestly, like, the, the reason I put this first and the reason I said there's not a lot to talk about, I really checked out of this one. I rarely oh, do. I, I, tr- I try and, like, keep focused on, like, even though it's a bad movie, I gotta, like, really talk about the details here. I any non-Chris yeah. Klein scene I totally checked out of, in all well, honesty. Yeah, it got to the point where I'm watching this with my wife, and we started creating our own, like, character for Chris Klein. <laughs> Why he's so disinterested all the time. Like, it became that he, you know, he had lactic acid in his knees, or he was a diabetic on dialysis. I mean, that's why he was constantly just kind of lumbering around the whole time. See, I like, didn't necessarily think he was disinterested. I thought, if anything, he's too interested while everyone else doesn't give a shit. It's. I think it's really the 180 where he's just is like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening. Oh, look at this. Look what's going on here. He just said, he has that same sort of very typical action hero voice. He's like, oh man, look what oh, the cat goodness. dragged in. Oh, I know. Forced sexual tension. Yeah. <laughs> he pretty much is doing the voice that a person in our next movie is doing a parody of the whole time. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Absolutely. If they were trying to build, and I even hate to use the term, but it's like the term now, like cinematic universe sort of idea with Street Fighter characters, why would you just lead off with this? Nobody watched this before they released it and was like, ooh, wait a minute. Like, there, there's no cohesive plot. 
the like I said, the act the, the action in your fighting movie is so poorly done. And they try to base it in reality, and yet at the end of the movie, they're shooting fucking energy blasts out of their hands at each other and shit. Or the scene in the club where Chun Li does that fucking move where she's <sighs> on her head, moving her, <sighs> like just like doing breakdance moves, like she's a Muppet. First of all, she's wearing like a muumu. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, she's too hot. She's got a muumu on. But why is it in movies that all it takes is someone to like give you the eyes, and then you're gonna go try to bang in the bathroom? At some dirty club or something like uh, every, it's such a trope, and just oh god, this movie is so boring. It's so boring that, like you said, I you can't help but check out. It, it Chris Klein holds your attention just because how bad he is and how funny his performance is because he's trying to be so earnest and tough. But other than that, no, everybody else is just sleepwalking through this. I do believe Kristen Kreuk's trying, because, uh, I mean, she quit Smallville to do this. It just shows she is not leading <laughs> leading material at all. This killed any steam she might have had as a, as a serious actress. A hundred percent. Because I cannot think of anything since. No, I, I can't really think of anything either. Um, I mean, it, it's it's pretty much the same for the so many of these people in this movie. Like, remember Moon Blood Good? Yeah, it was like this, and then Terminator. Right. Pathfinder with Carl Urban. Faster, the Dwayne Johnson vehicle everyone remembers. Oh, God. I don't, I forgot. Yeah, exactly. I completely forgot that was even existed. I love any of the scenes with her and Chris Klein, especially in their precinct that looks so much like, did they just take this set for Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Because I'm yes. expecting Andy Samberg to walk in at any moment. <laughs> in some parts and in other parts, it looks like just like a corporate office. And, oh my god. So the forced sexual tension, I mean, is just ridiculous. And Chris Klein looks like he's drunk the whole time. <laughs> like, he's into it, but he just looks like he hasn't slept in days. Well, it, I mean, he did check himself into Alcoholics Anonymous the year after this came out. Maybe this was oh, a wake-up call. <laughs> really? I did. Really? I did find that out. Um, and then, you know what? By oh. American Reunion, he looked quite good. So I'm glad he's moved on and has a yeah, healthier good life. For him, yes. Yeah, good for him. But you know what? Kind of fuck him too for this movie. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, he was keeping my attention. Him and his flared nostrils. Really flared. That guy. That guy's got nostrils like a boar. Like he knows what he's doing. A boar and a boar. And that's saying a lot when you do have Michael Clark Duncan in this movie too. Who was also oh, flaring his nostrils shit. constantly, and it's a shame because like I always loved Michael Clark Duncan, but mm-hmm. this was especially just a an example of like he is over enunciating things for all of the children in the audience, so they can oh, totally yeah. get it. He's just very much underlining every single phrase. Yeah, and he's not very good in this either. You could tell he just kind of it's a paycheck. Yeah, and why why taboo from Black Eyed Peas? What is the point of that? That fundamentally changes the character of Vega. Mm-hmm. Where Vega in the source material and even in the um, Van Damme one wore the mask to protect his face because he was mm-hmm. so narcissistic and he, and this one is because he's ugly. Mm. Like, come on, <laughs> man! Oh, and he like break dance. Oh god. Okay, you know what? I got nothing left on this. <laughs> not not even that enough for final thoughts the last steam for that i'm sure i can come up with something for that sure uh final thought is this is an just an incredibly bland boring cash-in example of a movie like you alluded to earlier this is everything that is wrong with video game movies is in this one movie other than just enjoying chris klein for just being just how awful he is uh there's no redeeming qualities to this movie the fights are terrible the effects are terrible the acting across the board is bad and there is like no cohesive plot and there's a pretty gruesome baby rip scene for no reason uh yep it's bad it's really bad i wouldn't call it one of the worst ones we've watched because i won't remember this where it's, some of the other ones were so bad that I'll, I'll never forget them. This one is infinitely forgettable. Could you? Would you say it's the most forgettable one? Or can you even remember the other forgettable ones we've done? Uh, I don't know, man. I think this might be the most forgettable one. 
That's a really it, good point. It may be so, and it is leaving me as I say this. So all I will say is there is a compilation cut of all the Chris Klein scenes in this movie. That's all you need to watch. It's like two minutes long. Yep. It's that's literally because you can get Nash out. Which is once again the best moment of the whole movie, <laughs> and then especially the bit where um, Chun Li has killed Neil McDonough in what could have been a fun sequence of like getting his head turned around and it's just lame in practice, and he's just like, "I didn't see anything. Get out of here." <laughs> it's, God. it's so bad. But at the same time, despite how terrible he is, he at least has some weird life in him, as opposed to everyone else is very much sleepwalking, and it's a very prototypical bad video game movie. And definitely, uh, what was the movie we were talking about? Never mind. Anyway, uh, it is time for our good feature, uh, which, while not based on a video game, is definitely inspired heavily by the medium. It is Edgar Wright's Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay. You should just sign for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? I say yes, will you sign for your damn package? Scott Pilgrim! Prepare to feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Maybe next time we don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-boyfriends. Okay. Oh, that's not that bad. So as I mentioned, this was based on a graphic novel series by uh, Brian Leo Matley. And when I talk about the concept of, like, inspired heavily by video games, I mean, this one definitely has that in spades with not just, like, some very clear video game, like, music and also just, like, a few references. Um, it, it very much takes its style and structure from a video game in terms of uh, you got our title character, Scott Pilgrim, has to face off against seven evil exes of his current girlfriend, Ramona Flowers, and each of them uh, basically have, like, a boss battle style aesthetic to their fight sequences that occur. And, I mean, there's even the whole life bar and the extra life and then the KO and all that. Yeah, no, this this is completely rooted in video game aesthetic. I would argue even almost more than graphic novel aesthetic. I mean, there is a bit of that, like, especially... But the thing is, this is also an Edgar Wright thing in general, which this is the first Edgar Wright movie we've ever talked about. Um, one of the best filmmakers working right now, obviously. Uh, I've, I've heard many people especially be contentious about this one, in especially the 10 or so years since it came out, which it did come out in 2010, August 13th, 2010. Um, and that it especially is very much more style over substance, but the style is so incredible with especially the quick cuts from like one location to the next. Like there are so many points where Scott Pilgrim and his buddies are in one location and then they like turn around and they're at a completely different location just to get to the next point. Very graphic novelish in its own way. Um, and certain bits and pieces of like narration and stuff like that. Which did you recognize the voice for the narration? Uh, no, it's Bill Hader. What? No way. I never knew that. Well, look at me learning. That's pretty awesome. But then, I mean, not only just Bill Hader, this cast is insane. When you really sit and think about it, I mean, so many of these people went on to just do huge things. There's mainstream comic book movie actors just peppered throughout this thing, too. I mean, you got Captain America, Captain Marvel, a Superman is in here. Uh, a Punisher is in here briefly. A Punisher is in here. He's <laughs> hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think there's even more. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's going to be the Birds of Prey movie. I mean, Arby Plaza's in Legion. I mean, it's, it's insane, this cast. It is absolutely insane, and everybody in it is fully committed. Yes, I would definitely say that. And I remember I this was my pick, and this was a movie that meant a lot to me when it came out. Um, it was right at the tail end of my high school career, as it were, um, and it was the summer right before my senior year it came out. And I was so deep in on Edgar Wright, and I really loved this movie at the time. And upon revisiting it now, it's for the first time I've seen it actually since I went to college, and Edgar Wright had a screening of all his movies, and he was there for like two nights, and did like a Q&A and everything afterward. Um, it's the first time I've seen it since then, and I still really do like this movie, I will say, mm-hmm. but um, it's a weird thing where you mentioned the entire cast is committed, and that's completely true. And that's especially true even of Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim, who works so well because in a similar vein of, like, video games, what I love about sort of casting Michael Sarah as your main video game movie protagonist is just how unesthetically he works at being, a like, a Street Fighter character because he's a fucking skinny 
beanpole of a person. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, it's kind of the equivalent of like say a fat Italian plumber as the protagonist of your video game, but he does all these big over the top things, just like this little pudgy dude. Versus this beanpole hipster fighting is like it works so hilariously on a visual level. Yet Scott Pilgrim really got on my nerves revisiting it now at an older age. Because he's a whiny prick. Right, and it's conflicting because the movie is still enforcing that, especially the first half of the movie, is about people all around Scott being like, you're an idiot, you're a piece of shit, what are you doing especially dating a high school girl? It, he definitely comes off a lot less likable, far less endearing here, though I give credit to the movie at least kind of tries to have him progress, though I don't know if that arc quite works at the same time. I don't think it does. I, I think the whole movie he's just a whiny prick um i mean i just find myself feeling so bad for knives the whole movie this poor girl and i'll tell you man this movie if i would have seen this in high school this movie would have been like just mind-blowingly amazing to me and like one of my favorites now i mean i like it i like the visuals in it and i do like the editing the quick cuts the fight scenes everything but other than that, it's just so, I want to say hipster chic, but I don't know if that's the proper term. It's, I don't know. It's so of its time in a way with some of the characters, especially Scott Pilgrim, to where it's kind of hard for me to uh, really throw a lot of praise on this. I think it's a fine movie, but I don't know that I think it's as good I don't think it holds up. Let's put it that way. Obviously, I have a lot of concern with that with the main character, but I think those other supporting characters are so good that they do do a lot of heavy lifting. Even with, like, I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead's Ramona Flowers, for example, is uh-huh. a far more nuanced character than Scott on every level because I think she shows off a lot more of that regret and a lot more of, like, a hidden past that she doesn't want to reveal to other people. She's even playing a manic pixie dream girl. But at the same time, she's playing at least a more nuanced version of that character. And I think that she has a lot more, it's like, dramatic oomph than, like, I would rather follow her as these evil exes try and fucking, like, come around her new relationship, even if it is with Scott, of all people. But then you even mentioned, like, uh, Knives Chow. Ellen Wong is the one who I was so disappointed didn't get much of a career after this. Because she is so energetic and lively and hilarious. And it, it, your heart does sink for her when, like, Scott breaks up with her far too late. Um, and then you also, like, yeah. like I mean, you mentioned some of the, like, Chris Evans in here is probably my favorite of the evil exes. He's oh, so... absolutely. He's so good. He's so fun. Um, I also love Mae Whitman as her past lesbian, uh, mm-hmm. ex. I think she's really fun in the movie. Um, Jason Schwartzman very much playing off of, like, the, um, Paul Williams character in Fame of the Paradise, which is a big influence in Edgar Wright. And he is just chewing every bit of scenery along with the gum. That he's chewing and mm-hmm. um, even people like Johnny Simmons' young Neil, the uh, Aubrey Plaza popping up in there, Anna Kendrick. I think this supporting cast is so stacked with people who are really fun the whole time that I think it at least carries the movie up to a movie I still like quite a bit. But at the same time, it's still the weakest Edgar Wright movie, which that's like a very tall hill to kind of climb over because most know, of those movies are s- fucking great. I have still not seen Baby Driver. That might be a bit weird considering one of the cast members. Uh, to try and... I don't know who you're referring to, to be honest. Kevin Spacey. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still want to see it, but... Oh, oh, it's a great movie. And that's the thing, it's like, all of the great other movies I love. Absolutely. I, I, But at the same time, I think, with Scott Pilgrim, it, it, it's like you mentioned, it's it doesn't quite hold up as well. I think it is just mainly resting on Scott being a whiny and really unlikable and despicable character in terms of just how he treats, like, his friends and the women around him. And, I, I like I said, I don't think that arc quite works with the, the ending of the movie. Um, though, at the same time, I don't know how interested it would be in the original ending, because here it's Ramona um, ends up uh, getting back together with Scott at the end. But originally it was Knives and Scott end up back together. Neither of those quite work for me in terms of him. he doesn't deserve either of those characters on any level. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But but at the same time, it's almost like I wish it was a... Because I love that moment at the end with Knives where she's like, no, nah, I'm too good for you anyway. And it's just like, oh, that's perfect for Knives' character. And then the original ending, Ramona said, like, you know what, maybe I should be without a boyfriend for a bit. 
Like, that would make way more sense than Scott earns his self-respect, where he's like, I can be on my own. No. I can actually, like, try and become a better person. Is there a version that was released where he gets together with Knives, or no? That was not released. That was the original um, ending, and the test audiences were not a fan. Because I swear that's the version I saw the first time. I know I, I probably didn't, but I... Because the second time I watched it, I'm like, wait a minute, what? I thought he got together back together with Knives. Nope, I having seen that in the theater, that was not the ending. Huh. If it's the ending that's at the end of the movie. <laughs> that's, well, I don't know. Maybe I was on LSD. No, I agree. And the fact that he almost gets, like, he gets the girl at the end and everything was works out for him kind of kind of irks me and rubs me the wrong way a little bit too. Like, I don't think, yeah, like you said, he didn't deserve either of them. I mean, the guy's just a selfish prick. He's terrible. <laughs> He's a terrible person. The whole evil exes idea, all of them are fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matthew Patel is hilarious. Uh, the, the weakest are probably the DJs. I mean, it's a great sequence, but they don't yeah. really do anything. But, I mean, the MVP scene for me that still makes me laugh is the vegan police. Where they can, they're shoot, they can shoot with just their hands because of their vegan power and stuff like that. It's... Milk and eggs, bitch. Yeah, yeah, so stupid. Um, but, you know, going back to what you said about Edgar Wright, I, I do agree that's probably the weakest, at least I only haven't seen one of his films, so... But I, I do think this is probably his weakest one. But holy shit, man, can that can this guy point a camera? I mean, that's one thing about this movie. It is so wonderfully shot and edited. I mean, this guy just easily well, yeah. one of the best we got going. And of course, the credit to his cinematographer here is Bill Pope, who we've talked about previously on the show, who shot like The Matrix and its sequels, amongst several other things. And I just love the fact that they managed to make video game aesthetic stuff works so well and just defy all laws of reality and gravity that we know of but make it make perfect sense in the reality of this movie yeah that's a good point yeah yeah that's what i love consistently is like whenever someone like punches for a ko it's just tria's like oh yeah that happens and they turn into coins (laughs) people pick up the coins the giant the you know lucas doing the grind yes (laughs) you know or swings him through a castle tower i mean this new guy he seems pretty nice (laughs) yeah but chris evans does steal it but yeah i agree with you it's this movie is so hyper kinetic and just nothing applies like even the part where knives comes to the door and she asks for scott and then you just see him jump out the window you know that part still kind of makes me laugh too but it's just i don't know man it's hard for me to really get behind this as a movie well not as a movie it's it's really fun. Let's put it this way. This is a fun movie, but I just, I really, really hate the lead character, man. And it just doesn't age well because of him to me. But yeah, like the final fight scene with, you know, they all got their weapons and he's got the one up life again. And Schwartzman, like you said, it's just destroying this movie. As soon as he pops on screen, he's the best in the movie. And, um, I don't know, man. I don't know why I have such the disconnect. Teach me, Thomas. Tell me. <laughs> uh, well, let me teach you a lesson here. Um, <laughs> well, what I think also works is that you have so many people that steal scenes. Like you mentioned, Jason Schwartzman steals like that back half of the movie. P- all the supporting players do such a great job of stealing that they sort of like take the ball and run with it in a way that, admittedly, like I said, I think Michael Sarah is very dedicated to playing this kind of miserable, shitty person. It's very sort of aloof character who, you know, says stuff like, oh, it's too hard and shit like that. It, it's, I, I at least give it that, like, part of it is just that character is very annoying, but also at least some of what Scott does is rooted in the immaturity of your early 20s. Like, I think that's what makes it at least irk me a bit more toward, like, the positive side of things with this one, because as much as, like, Scott does stuff like, oh, man, what a piece of shit, at the same time, I remember doing shitty things like that. <laughs> Not all of them. Yeah, I didn't true. date a fucking no, high no. school kid. Yeah, nor did I. But yeah, no, I mean, I guess I, I, I can't, you know, I have to agree with you there. You know, when you're in your early 20s and you're just now out on your own and you're in a band, I got to imagine you have different goals than, you know, someone my age or even your age would have now. And that's why, like I said, you know, if I'd have seen this in high school, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Now it's just like, well, well, 
Mm, you guys kind of a prick. <laughs> oh, hi, uh, um, hats off to Brie Larson too. She's really good in this too. I am typically not a fan of hers um, as an actress, but I think she's really good in this. Yeah, and she does her own vocals for the Black Sheep number, which is great, which we also got to talk about. This music, as hipstery as it can be, is awesome. I love all the musical sequences in this movie, especially, like, the opening bit with the Launchpad McQuack song is such a great yeah. energetic way to start this movie, and especially how, like, they start playing and Edgar Wright does that huge, like, pull-out shot where mm-hmm. the apartment is suddenly thousands of miles long. Great. Like, I love shit like that. Just the, the visual inventiveness of so many of these sequences really hammers down what I hate so much about a lot of the video game movies. Like, we mentioned with Chun-Li, how visually uncreative that whole movie is, and how it's just, like, so inspired every fight scene, every visual shot, everything, when a video game movie should totally be way more like this. Like, if you're oh, I agree. A, yeah. a Street Fighter movie, a Mortal Kombat movie, or whatever, do weird, fun shit like this. Make it, right, make it resemble a video game. In some way. Yeah. I, it's just, I don't understand why nobody can get it. And then Edgar Wright comes in and takes something that's based on a graphic novel and makes damn near a perfect video game movie as far as aesthetically. I don't understand where the problem is, the disconnect. I don't know if it's budget. I don't know if it's just not talented enough people behind the camera. I don't know what it is. But you know instantly in this movie what type of movie you're going to get as far as energy and visuals. I mean, instantly. And this movie does not let up. I mean, it is a visual feast from start to finish. All of it works. There's not one scene in here as far as aesthetically that I would change. And yes, the music, while very hipstery at times, all fits perfectly for the characters that are either performing the music or with what's going on on screen. Yeah, and we should give credit, of course, to the main person who did all of the like new music for the movie was Beck. You did a great job with it. I said I didn't know that shit either. I like Beck, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and if you've ever seen uh, Colors, the recent uh, music video that he did uh, for his recent album uh, with Alison Brie, directed by Edgar Wright. No kidding. I did yes. not know that. I will have to uh, look into that after recording. Just he's such a guy who's so dedicated to every movie he does that he takes so long in between movies. Like, I'm very excited, especially his new one coming out, sort of like um Italian ins- horror-inspired movie. Kind of like Don't Look Now was his main inspiration for it. Very yeah. excited for that. So excited to see what he does with that. Oh, definitely. I wonder if it's going to be anything like that faux trailer he did. Oh, Don't, yes, from yeah. Dark House. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not only is he dedicated to the craft, he's dedicated to the people he works with, mm-hmm. um, everything else. I mean, don't be wrong, I like the Ant-Man we got. But I'm very curious as to what the Edgar Wright version could have been. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean, look how long it took. When it was announced, it was still years and years and years before we even got one. It was like shortly but, after Iron Man, they announced Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. And we didn't get it for what, five years? Well, from 2008 to 2015. No, that's like seven. Seven. <laughs> Jesus. Like we said already, he's a modern day, just master of the craft. And I think this movie does show off what he can do. It's not the the way the movie's filmed, acted, anything. It's just I can't connect to the story anymore on certain levels. There's other levels that, I mean, just everybody can. You know, wanting a, a girl that you might not be able to have or, you know, problems in a relationship that you got to deal with. This is a little more extreme, but still. I think as far as Edgar Wright's talents, I believe they're all fully on display here in this. Well, yeah, and plus I do give credit also to the fact that, like, the seven evil exes aren't so much just specifically boss battles as much as they are Scott trying to confront, like, all his own insecurities as mm-hmm. a young man. It's like any time where, like, you're in a relationship with someone, like, oh, hey, I had a gay experience once, and you kind of feel like, am I inadequate? Or compared to, like, this other previous experiment that she had. Or, oh, she dated a movie star, am I just, like, a fucking meager idiot? Or any of these other different things. It's like, oh, I'm not a vegan. I'm not as cool as somebody who's a vegan. I don't have superpowers <laughs> like a vegan. Um, stuff like that. I think that all that stuff, I think structurally all that works really well to where, like I said, I can at least admire what they're going for and Sarah being as funny as especially bouncing off some of these other people. Like We haven't mentioned like Allison Pill as Kim Pine, who I think is my favorite of the bandmates. Because she just yeah, has like, that, that <laughs> we are sex bomb and we are here to sell out and stuff. Or any of those other moments. Or, of course, Kieran Culkin as well, as his mm-hmm. roommate, uh, 
Wallace. I love that dude has like a eighties Robert Downey Jr. vibe in this movie that I am so for. And is another one I who I wished had a bigger career after this, as much as he's still working in things. But it's like, man, you're so fucking good <laughs> every I time agree. we just cut over to him. Yeah, I like the Allison Pill thing where she, you know, at one point was in love with Scott. <laughs> like, didn't they allude to that? Am I am I making that up? Oh no, that, that that's one of my favorite bits in the movie where okay. someone says like, "Didn't you used to date Kim?" Oh no, I guess, but like me and Kim are cool, right? Kim, and she looks and has a haunted glare at him. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, we're yeah. fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing. It's like Edgar Wright is also one of the few visually talented comedy directors out there. Like, oh, yes. Absolutely. How often do we get just like these Apatow style? Hey, let's riff forever maybe a handful of them land in any number of scenes versus this guy knows exactly what the comedy is and the especially visual aesthetic of it is consistent and the editing is pitch perfect and it doesn't feel like there's any fat on this bone. Oh yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. Um yeah, there's you know, Apatow and what's his name, the one who just did Vice. Oh, Adam one, McKay, yeah. Yeah, the Adam McKay type movies or even the Kevin Smith movies in which oh God, I hope we'd never cover any of the new Kevin Smith movies, but anyways, those type of movies. And you're right. It's all just riffing and riffing and riffing and riffing. And to get someone who's actually trying to shoot a comedy movie and have even the way that it's framed add to the comedy is really quite refreshing. And he's a master of it. I mean, as far back as, you know, spaced and then Shaun of the dead. I mean, the guy's just, he knows what's funny and he knows how to put it full force on screen. Right. And though I will say, I think not to dismiss him as a writer necessarily, but I've noticed the movies that he hasn't written with Simon Pegg have been two of his weakest, I would say. Which ones are those? Um, This one and Baby Driver are two that he... He wrote... Well, I mean, it's based on source material. This right, it's one. based on, but him and Michael Pacall wrote this script, and then ah. he wrote uh, Baby Driver by himself, I believe. And those movies, while I think they're, especially Baby Driver, still really works. At the same time, I think noticeably he is missing some of that ability to do like the callbacks, especially that feels like something that Simon Pegg really honed in on with like those three Cornetto movies. Um, it's mm-hmm. like it's masterful how they do the setup and payoff in all three of those. As opposed to here, they try and do that at points, and I don't think it ever quite works as well as that. There's still fun callback moments. Um, like, I especially love there's one subtle bit, is there's the, the asshole guy who knows everybody at the party, who shows up at the bar later, and he's like, um, in, in one scene when Scott's coming in uh, to have the final battle the first time, he's talking about some random bullshit. And mm-hmm. then later on, as he's walking in, that guy's saying, you know, I mean, the comic book was so much better than the movie. Right. It's just, right. <laughs> and shit like that. Like, he does, he's still great at, like, putting in as many jokes in the frame as possible. That's another reason why to rewatch this movie, honestly. It's just there is so much detail in every frame. It's either a laugh or a foreshadowing character beat or any number of other things. Um, it, it He does have that, at least visually, maybe not necessarily as much character-wise back and forth with like the setup and payoff stuff. Yeah, I can agree with that, absolutely. You are definitely more of the, in the Scott Pilgrim camp than I am. For show. Well, then I guess uh, go into your final thoughts then on <laughs> Scott Pilgrim versus the world, Adam. You are definitely more in the Scott Pilgrim camp than me for show. Set up, payoff, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's a fun, it's a really fun movie. I mean, visually, it's it's amazing. Um, and there's, like we said before, just a stacked cast that are all trying. Even as Michael Sarah, even though I don't like his character, he is still giving it his all. Um, so I think there's a lot of fun here. Just I don't connect with it as much as I probably would have had I been, you know, 18, 19 when it first came out um, instead of 47. It's 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 a fun movie. Uh, it's just, you know, not for me. Uh, yeah, and admittingly, we should also, you mentioned it's based off source material. I've only read the first volume of uh, Scott Pilgrim, um, mm-hmm. which... The third book, I believe, is called Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, but it's interesting how the first 30 minutes or so of this movie is like a Sin City-level, complete, perfect really? adaptation. Like, it is, the, the, up until Matthew Patel's fight, like, it is, like, shot for shot, similar to, like, the actual, like, they almost use this, that comic as the storyboards, that first novel, for oh. it, because I was so excited for this coming out, and I read that first one, and it's like, oh man, I can't wait 
And then I've heard that, because this was a case of like kind of like a 2001 Space Odyssey thing, where the other volumes hadn't really been written after the second book. Ryan Lee O'Malley was still writing those other novels before they while they were making this movie. So it was like a case of one kind of having the outline for everything, and Bacall and Wright kind of taking on from there. And I can kind of feel that, the truncation that happens after that point in the stories. I can feel that, um, especially once we get to the end where... I, I was really endeared to, like, what they were doing with Ramona's character after a certain point, and then they have, like, the chip in the back of her head, which removes her agency so much. I'm I'm still not a fan yeah, of that. Yeah. A- apparently that's a lot better done in the graphic novels. Um, but all this is to say, I still really do like this movie quite a bit on a lot of the aesthetic levels and also all the acting. I just do agree that the main character of Scott Pilgrim is an ass who doesn't have a lot of likable qualities, despite Michael Sarah really trying to inflect so much of that into him. And I like Michael Sarah too. Obviously like I love super bad. I love him on rest of development. He can be like a cute, endearing guy. Who's like, especially more shy. I think the problem is that Scott, the slight miscasting is that Scott Pilgrim is very brash about how much of a aloof asshole he is. And I think that's kind of what sinks it a bit more to me. Um, but it still does work aesthetically in a lot of ways. I still would say any video game movie needs to take the aesthetic from this and really work it. I'm, I'm still kind of bummed that this failed as much as it did. Because despite being like a hipster movie, this cost about $85 million. It was a big investment from Universal. And they made the mistake of putting it out the same weekend as Expendables. And that just, I think, sunk this movie hard. Unfortunately. Because that was a massive success, <laughs> comparably. Hmm. As much as it is, I think, Edgar Wright's weakest movie, it's still a lot of fun and is one of the better examples of like how to create a larger-than-life world on a, in a live-action setting and do it pretty goddamn well, in all honesty. But uh, that's the end of our video game-inspired film discussion, and we're going to be picking our movies for next week at the very end of the show, but first we have some feedback to read um, on the Facebook and Twitter page for our podcast, at DEDBpod. We ask all of you about, hey, what are your favorite and least favorite movies from whatever topic that we're doing for the week? And uh, we got some people here who, for video game movies, uh, first Brian Kane said, uh, Silent Hill, while not a good movie, perfectly emulated the feel of the games for the first half of it. Super Mario Brothers is such a batshit insane movie that it turns into an enjoyable experience, if only for how weird it is. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of easy targets for worse, but I'd like to spotlight Company of Heroes. Uh, it seems so utterly crazy to me that you'd make an adaptation of a no-frills World War II strategy game, in name only, into whatever that was. James Rodriguez says, uh, Feeling like playing Grand Theft Auto while keeping a specific meter at a high level, Crank and Crank 2, high voltage, are hugely entertaining features that are endlessly rewatchable. That's more than can be said for House of the Dead or Need for Speed. Uh, Matt Kozlowski says, uh, Mortal Kombat slash Super Mario Brothers for best, and then Assassin's Creed and Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li for worst. Um, Elwood Tiberius at... Elwood underscore Tiberius uh, on Twitter says, uh, Uwe Boll's stuff seems like an obvious choice for worst. Uh, Thor Ragnarok had some obvious video game influence in the framing of the action and in the soundtrack. And then uh, Kara Holden says, look, if Super Mario Brothers isn't the good pick, I am fucking rioting. Well, uh, enjoy being in the streets, Kara. That's fun. Anarchy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, we did Thor Ragnarok last week, and I didn't even catch that, but that's a good point. It does have a lot of the video game aesthetics. Yeah. I mean... I'd go more the Jack Kirby stuff. That's how I kind of lean on it. But yeah, I could see it for sure. I mean, especially like the big battle scene alone between Thor and Hulk has a lot of that. Oh yeah, 100%. And you know, Brian, he kind of hit it right on the head of what we were saying about Silent Hill already. Uh, And then the Silent Hill sequel. Did you catch that one? I did not. I only knew that that stars Jon Snow, and that's about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's about all you need to know. I had no idea that there was even a Company of Heroes movie. I, I literally had no idea. That's the thing, is a lot of those video game movies that are really bad you don't know exist because they mm. really just bury them under the radar whenever they're put out. Yeah, like uh, Uwe Boll's uh, Far Cry. That he, exists. He did that? Yep, starring Till Schweiger. Of course it starts Till Schweiger, though, because he's in a bunch of those. Yep. That exists. Check that one out. <laughs> uh, but also, big credit to James for saying Crank and Crank 2. 100%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, absolutely. Those perfectly just illustrate the 
level of speed that's going on whenever you play like a Grand Theft Auto game. And I'm I still hold out hope every day that someday we'll get a Crank Three. Those are probably my favorite Statham movies. Oh yeah, they're, they're, they're so the perfect fun. use of him and like his stone face mm-hmm. on that crazy and aesthetic works so perfectly. Uh, it's like I really would love a Crank Three, but at the same time I do worry like have those directors lost their touch given their other output? Yeah. <clears throat> Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Or even, speaking of video games, uh, Gamer. Oh, fuck that. It was Neville Dean and Taylor. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I think you're kind of getting Crank 3 with Hobbs and Shaw. That's kind of what it's looking like to me. That's true. Though I will say the Taylor end of uh, things is at least done stuff like I love Mom and Dad. Mom and Dad was so fun. So fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, they, just when Lance Henriksen shows up. I mean, how, just when you thought it couldn't get crazier. And the love for Super Mario Brothers is fascinating to me, because Mario Brothers, it's definitely, I don't think it's nearly as bad as so many of the other video game movies we've gotten since. But at the same time, it is not good. And also, no, more importantly, it's, but it's at least visually arresting in terms of, like, I can't, how did this happen? Like that, I don't, right, how did they get this made? I would love to see a documentary taking that from beginning to end. Well, I but... did read something about, like, did you know, they originally, I, I, they hired the filmmakers behind The Killing Fields originally to make this movie. What the <laughs> fuck? That's how production started in, like, the mid-80s when they started trying to do this. Nothing and... says fun Italian plumber jumping on mushrooms like The Killing Fields. Fun for the whole family. Yep. <laughs> God. I mean, Dennis Hopper, though. He's so just out of control in it. One of our great examples of um, an actor portraying a president. hey Again. Um. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> that was sort of the benchmark oh. for worse, and there's definitely been yeah. at least a dozen or so worse ones. Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yep. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, fuck. So, and that says a lot when you're, like, that much worse than the first Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and easily that much worse. I mean, Mortal Kombat looks like the Maltese Falcon compared to Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Well, that might be pushing it. But <laughs> Mortal Kombat looks like Rambo 2 compared to Rambo 3. That might be that... pushing it, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's apt enough an analogy. All right. Um, but and then uh, from our last episode, our guest from last week, uh, Ryan Quarterman, who is at Ryan underscore Quarterman on Instagram, says, "My heart goes out to Thomas for how many giggles of mine he must have had to edit out of this." Still, I love you three thousand, which of course is an Endgame reference. Have you seen Endgame yet, Adam? I did. What do you think of it? I really, really thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, I think it was such a grand spectacle that. I can't believe they pulled it off. I cannot believe the Russos pulled off. Even that final battle was just out of control. Yes, I truly did love it as well. It was, it's almost at the same time, like, where do you go from here, though? I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. They're either going to have to keep them small sort of character pieces now, or, God forbid, try to one-up it with another big bad and I, I I hope it's the smaller character sort of pieces. Instead. I do hope we don't get, like, another Marvel team-up thing for a while, though. I, 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 me too. I, I would say at least a five-year gap now of Avengers movies. I think we're good with not having another Avengers movie again for a bit. I, yeah, I agree. I'd say at least... I'd say at least five years. I think five years is good. I mean, in five years, the thing is, it goes by so fast already to where... But still, I, I mean, I don't need... Two two years from now, another big huge team up. I don't need it. No, that that was I mean enough. Uh, but yes, and Ryan, I did have to edit a lot of your giggling out of the show. <laughs> He's a giggle monster. That, that is our HR approved term, clearly for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but but anyway, uh, thank you for all that feedback, and we also want to thank a few other people. Thanks to Chris Oliver for the intro and outro for the show. Uh, he you can listen to more of his music at uh, chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Um, and thanks to Emily Scarter for the art that's used in our show. Uh, she, she accepts commissions at 502rs.com slash eescarta. And you can also find us, as I mentioned previously, on Facebook and Twitter at dedbpod, or you can also submit feedback to us at doubleedgedoublebill at gmail.com, all spelled out. 
And I have my own individual Twitter account, at NotTheWho'sTommy, uh, where I post my shenanigans, and also I write at my blog, MarianiThomas.wordpress.com. I would have a non-spoilery Avengers Endgame uh, review out there, though by this point I would hope you've seen it. I think pretty much everyone has. <laughs> I mean, I would hope it's a 1.2 billion opening weekend. <laughs> yep. And keep in what mind that we're hell? recording this a week before whatever its next monstrous weekend is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I'm sure it's made um, $500 billion now by this point. Mm -hmm. Um, And, of course, you can find Adam um, in the corners of your arcade uh, trying to just get that Dance Dance Revolution on fire. Yep. Like, literally, though. He's trying to burn it. He's not trying to actually play the game. He's trying to just (laughs) completely burn down this place. Um, But you can, for more of this fun arson talk, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, and you can uh, rate and review us there on, like, Spotify or YouTube, or on Stitcher, any of those places, because that gives the show more visibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's the deal here? I mean, especially, you know, and I, I'm talking specifically to uh, our co-host, uh, <clears throat> Lance Langford. You know, get, get get the shit in gear. I think Lance already did leave us a review. He's, the, like, but, one of the two reviews that's already <laughs> on iTunes. But go on all the other ones, Lance. Come on, man. Get the let out. By the way, thank you, Lance. I... Don't know where I'd be without you. Yes, definitely, for sure. And uh, now it has come to the end of our show, where we do our picking for next week. And, wait, Adam, am I am I reading this right? What's our topic for next week? Uh, Piano Keys. Whoa. Oh, I'm sorry. It's Keanu Reeves. Oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. But no, we are, yes, we, in honor of John Wick Chapter 3 coming out, uh, next week we are talking about Keanu Reeves, uh, one of our more interesting actors in terms of a filmography. One of the most diverse, weird filmographies I can honestly say amongst other name actors, especially. I'd say he's close to the top. I think Nicolas Cage beats him by a mile, but yeah, he's definitely close. Well, in top. terms of like, I'll say that somebody who has at least consistently been in pretty big movies. Okay, yeah, I'll give you that. Because I he hasn't done too many directed video red box movies as of that I know of as of yet. Did everyone remember Replicants from earlier this year? Yeah, <laughs> I just I literally uh, last time I went to the corner store there was a red box outside and that was on that like that just arrived and went oh yeah that exists. I completely forgot about it. I have zero interest in. Well, fuck, probably shouldn't say that yet because I don't know what's going to happen. I can tell you that's not one of my two picks um, because I have the two bad picks and you have two good picks for of Keanu's filmography and uh, what we do here for those of you who are new is uh, each of us pick a number between 1 and 10 um, from these two movies that each of us has chosen and we both assign numbers between 1 and 10 for our own choices so I'll pick a number between 1 and 10 for Adam's choices and get whatever good movie then he'll do the same for my two bad choices and get a bad one so uh, now, without further ado, then Adam, for your two good Keanu choices, I'm going to pick number nine. Okay, at number seven, I have which I have not seen yet, but I heard it's pretty cool. Is the Man of Tai Chi that that he directed? Interestingly, enough. yep, yeah, yeah. I heard it's cool. I haven't seen it yet, so I figured why not give it a whirl. And we've we've been denying kung fu movies for sure we on have. the show. Yes. At number two, I had Point Break. Of course. He's an FBI agent. <laughs> Johnny Utah. Such a stupid name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. All right. Uh, well, you went high. I'll go low. I'll go number four. Okay. Now, at number two, I have a curious one because I actually think this is a pretty good movie, but I would argue that he is definitely the worst part of it, and it's definitely one of the worst performances in a mainstream movie. In all honesty, um, it is Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992. I fucking almost did that as my good pick, and not because of him. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, it's a terrible performance. It's some. It's a performance that almost sinks the movie. Almost. It's close. Yes. I'd argue his and uh, Winota's together almost kind of destroy the movie. Right, almost. Which and that's a movie that has a very dicey reputation as well. Uh, but at the same time, we can defend it a bit while also decrying sure. his performance. For sure. It's yeah, a good, it's, good it's choice. A, it's a, yeah, it's a different one. Um, and then at number eight, 
I had 47 Ronin. I knew that was going to be one of your choices, because of course it had to be. And uh, I got to be honest, I've only seen it once, didn't hate it, thought it was visually pretty awesome. That's what it looked like in the trailers, and then every review I read was like, no, don't, <laughs> please it's, go. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. But, uh, all right, uh, God, what a weird double feature again. Yes. Kung so, Fu movie and Dracula. Yeah, so stay tuned for Bram Stoker's Dracula and the Man of Tai Chi next week. <laughs> Until then, uh, I guess, Adam, the question is, do you want to continue? Nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two. Rest in peace, Peter Mayhew. Oh, yes. Good night. Long live the Tooch.